Marini's Media. We're back, everyone. You can't keep us away for long. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay here. And on the agenda today, Storm Kira wreaks havoc with the weekend's fixtures, but we're not a washout. Oh, Oh, no. no. Fear not. Uh, That's because we've got a full rundown of the fixtures coming up this week in the WSL and the FA Cup. And with the Heads Up campaign in full swing throughout English football, we hear from Jilly Flaherty after she has uh, opened up about her mental health. Joining us on today's show, a big welcome back to Tim Stillman, who we last heard from back in October. Arsenal women correspondent for Arsblog and general expert in all things women's football. It's good to have you back, Tim. It's lovely to be back. Thank you very much. Tim, big news from us. And we're back too after a break of a week. (laughs) Not even a week. Uh, We didn't have to be postponed at all. Um, For those of our regular listeners and for those tuning in for the first time, just out of sheer curiosity, hello and welcome to you. On last week's episode, we had to announce that it would be our last for a little while, having to put the show on pause because we'd struggled to find a sponsor and we'd, you know, had a lot of interesting conversations but got quite frustrated about the lack of intention, I suppose, and then the lack of reality in terms of getting women's football product backed and sponsored. And great news because when we made the announcement on Twitter and I promise you it it totally was not a PR trick we, we genuinely sort of shut the show down last week Twitter went a bit mad didn't it Lindsay mm-hmm. we um, had people setting up crowdfunding pages and all sorts which we didn't want we're grateful to everyone that did that sort of thing but that isn't how we wanted the show to be funded to the same professional standard of all the the others that we produce yeah, here at Muddy Knees. we just felt you guys deserved a professionally produced show for a fully professional league if we're talking about the FAWSL anyway and look we want to say a million thank yous um, to everyone um, be you within the industry be you listeners who whoever you are, wherever you are, who've supported us over the last week, because that tidal wave of support, Lindsay, has meant that we now have a new sponsor. We have. So until the end of the season, it's a brand that you know, Tim Stillman, very well. I'm told (laughs) that you spent endless hours on this game. Football (laughs) Manager have come in to rescue us until the end of the season. They've kindly offered their support. And this is at a time for them where they don't actually have a, a women's version of the game yet. It's something they want to do in the future. Miles, um, who's behind Football Manager, has spoken about that with us separately before. Mm. And he just was very adamant that without things like the podcast that we do, without content talking about women's football from an independent point of view as well, that that would never come about. And so he's put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, and if they're looking for consultants for a women's football <laughs> version of Football Manager, I will throw my hat into that ring shamelessly. Yes, but, but you've got to be prepared to, to just give up on, on uh, most of your professional and spare time. Um, we know it's a great game and we're looking forward to getting involved with it as well. And you know it's interesting because you can have a female manager, Emma Hayes, female manager. You can have her, you can be her, but uh, as you said, you can't have um, a women's team there yet. And that's all hopefully in the pipeline and we hope to be supporting Football Manager on that level as as well. I think one of the things to point out with it as well is the the amount of money that would cost. I think it's something in the region of four million pounds because of the details of the game. So 
it is a huge statement to say that's what they want to do in the future and they're obviously backing us but also backing women's football full stop going yeah. forwards because they think that that is going to be something that they will get eventually. Um, let's also mention some people that, that reached out to us. We had so many so we can't mention everyone but we did want to just highlight a few of the tweets that we got. Neil Watson who gets in touch with the show quite often. Uh, never mind what the scores are in any games this week because the result of the week is the continuation <laughs> of the women's football offside pod. Yeah we had loads of messages when we announced the news on Thursday that the show was continuing. Congratulations, said Jack. I knew something like this would happen. Can't keep a good podcast down. Carol said fantastic news, absolutely buzzing. Well done to Football Manager for stepping up to the plate. Hope many others now follow your lead. Yes, hear, hear, Carol. Uh, Christoph Terra, European football journalist, said Football Manager as the VAR overturning the offside decision. Nicely put. <laughs> Thank you, Christoph. And Laura Burton, who often engages with us on Twitter. She listens every week, I think. Uh, now that's sorted, let's talk about the next obstacle where the hell is the new Any Other Business jingle? <laughs> Laura, you're my kind of girl. Thank you very much. It's a good point. Maybe with this brand new sponsorship deal, uh, someone will come in and give us an Any Other Business theme tune. Tim, I've been asking for this for quite a few months now. <laughs> so know. far, I'm not sure whether people are feeling intimidated by the prospect of a jingle for us or they're just not getting their uh, electros. I thought you were getting really out. close with Shura. Well, yes. I need to remind Shura, um, pop star who was in on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, that she did make a commitment to make that theme tune. So, you know, we're going to have to follow up on that one. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition with football manager Lindsay Kate and Tim Stillman with you this week uh, for a washout. And I saw on social media so many pictures of Storm Kira. Wow. I'm glad that I wasn't outside at any point yesterday. Uh, <laughs> playing football in that just seems absurd. Shall we just sum up the fixtures that were postponed for anyone not across all this? Arsenal versus Tottenham, the North London derby. That got dispensed of, as did the Merseyside derby at Goodison Park. Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United uh, could not play host to Chelsea, even though Chelsea were halfway up the motorway by the sounds of it. At West Ham, at Manchester City, that was cancelled. Birmingham, Brighton and Bristol City, Reading, all were cancelled. Tim still and where were you in the cancellation melee? <laughs> I was somewhere between Blackheath and London Bridge. Um, okay, so not that bad. Not not that bad. Not that bad. Um, I kind of I set off absurdly early just because I was kind of trying to get ahead of the the, the transport issues. But um, yeah, the 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 Arsenal game was called off about quarter to nine in the morning. So that wasn't too no, bad. No. Bearing in mind it was a two o'clock kickoff. Exactly, and I'd, I'd left ridiculously early because that's just the kind of person I am. Um, we like frankly. you as that kind of organised <laughs> guy, Tim. We know that if we're ever in trouble, Tim will set off early for us, Lindsay. Mm, I think postponements, they're always going to catch someone out. And you know a couple of people that had travelled over from Holland yep. for the for the North London derby. Yeah, indeed. They travelled over on Saturday evening and they had a hotel in Boreham Wood. Um, but their social media activity was nevertheless quite entertaining during <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, quite a lot of um, kind of umbrellas being turned inside out and monsoon-like conditions on Borehamwood High Street. So it's probably the, just as well they called it off. Who was the West Ham player? Was it was, was it Leanne Kiernan who who was videoed yes. in her yes. dressing gown and slippers, which I thought was utter genius. I don't know if it was the West Ham dressing gown being sort of blown down her road as she kind of mimicked trying to run to the game. There's some great great mm. stuff on there. And um, the Merseyside derby. What a shame for this fixture. This was called off at 10:46 exactly because I you, you know. I think it's I think it's good to 
asked the question about when these games are called off. So two o'clock kickoff, called off at quarter to 11. Um, I know you could argue perhaps that Everton and Liverpool fans don't have that far to travel, but there are obviously fans that live outside Merseyside who need to get to this game. And I think it had been so highly anticipated. And I also think that some WSL clubs are nervous about culling games because there's been such bad press recently about postponements. Mm. So, Tim, in your opinion, should the games have just been carte blanche called off on Saturday? In hindsight, yes, but I have a lot of um, I have a lot of sympathy actually with a lot of the clubs like Liverpool, Everton. They're expecting around twenty thousand, yeah. a bit more. You know, the FA I think have done a great job of scheduling some of these games. You know, where we've got a little bit of a mini break for the Premier League, and they've put the North London derby, the Merseyside derby. You know, Arsenal Spurs was sold out. I think it's fair enough to make a call on those games about four or five hours before. I, th- I think that's quite fair. I can understand as well with Goodison Park for the Merseyside derby because that is such a big stadium and they will have played in many different conditions there. You're not talking about uh, being exposed to the, the weather conditions as much as some of the other smaller grounds that, that should have been mm. hosting football this weekend. But one of my points that I would like to make for meteorologists everywhere is that they have the sort of resource at their fingertips now, unlike 10, 20 years ago, where they do know how bad it's going to be. Mm. And I think we do need to listen to them more across sport generally. I think what made this one tricky is the conditions themselves were actually playable. So it's not like you've got loads of frozen pitches or waterlogged yeah. pitches. Mm. The, the games from a sporting perspective could have gone ahead, but it's more kind of um, spectator safety. Yeah. Um, around Goodison Park, there was an issue with flying tiles, apparently. Mm. So fan safety. So rather than pitch issues, it was fan safety for that one. I also wonder if um, this might just kick off because at the moment, I think postponements are in the hands of the clubs. And so it's difficult to make a group decision, albeit I think the National League did it. I think the National League on Saturday evening said, look, all the games are off, don't travel. But I wonder if this will kind of if they'll come up with a protocol and to be fair this is quite unique this is a storm yes, that swept the entire country yeah. not just a and region it's a once in a decade storm according to yeah. the Met Office on Saturday but those amber weather warnings were in, were in place on Saturday yeah. I was looking at them because I had to travel back to Gloucestershire to where I'm from but yes in hindsight um, most players fairly balanced Lindsay Carly Telford Chelsea's Carly Telford not so much though Oh, I think she was just being really honest and actually considering the welfare of the fans, which she, she just aired. I think everybody would have felt like that. She just said, please, anyone who's travelled, take care getting home. Players and fans' safety maybe should have been considered yesterday when the storm was deemed a threat to life. And and I think that's fair enough. Um, everyone wants to, to grow the game at this rapid rate. But as you say, you know, if there's a bit of hesitancy about postponing these things with due time and consideration some people are always going to get caught amongst it and and those people that have traveled and haven't got to see a game you know if you're offering them another ticket to come they've still got to travel they've still got to get there again there's going to be expense incurred as well so I think she's just thinking on their behalf yeah, yeah I think um, with Arsenal Spurs and Liverpool Everton they're quite local also you've got the issue that Spurs and Liverpool have both had games called off recently so that makes scheduling tougher for them some of these other games though I mean West Ham Manchester City Manchester United Chelsea I think 
they could have been called off a fair so bit too. earlier. And, and actually, interestingly enough, I think most of the championship games were called off before uh, the full set of postponements had been um, decided in the WSL. And I think, you know, teams like Watford, for example, did actually cancel on the Saturday as well. All right, well, not too long to wait until your next WSL hit because we've got some midweek fixtures. Wednesday night sees several games under the lights, five, and then Thursday night you've got Liverpool Arsenal. Let's run through some of these. Tim, can you pick us out your fixture from the midweek? WSL games. I'm actually really interested in Spurs v Everton um, assuming this one goes ahead because the Hive uh, pitch hasn't been fantastic for Spurs recently. And but it gets a lot of action doesn't it, it? Exactly, exactly but th- this is a game that really interests me 7th versus 5th and both teams I think, you know, when you take away the top 3, I think these are two of the teams who are probably having the best seasons. Mm-hmm. Everton under Willie Kirk, they've invested lots in players, um, perhaps had a little bit of a wobble just where they've played some of the bigger teams Um but, you know, away at Spurs, I, th- I think that one could be a really, really interesting game. Uh, Spurs, quite a defensive side playing against a counter-attacking side like Everton. I think that'll be a really good game. I'm still interested in life for Manchester City post Nick Cushing. So I'm going to be turning my attention to Manchester City against Bristol City. I think that's going to be a really interesting game, how they set up, how this temporary manager um, goes about maybe continuing what Nick was doing or does he go for something completely different? Um, I think the world of WSL are going to be looking at Manchester City because they are right in there as well in this title race. Are they going to drop off at any point or are we going to see them continue where Nick left them? And also I think if you're um, if you're Alan Mahone, the the caretaker manager, probably the first game you want is at home to Bristol City. Yeah. Yes, um, quite frankly, you've conceded I think 37 goals this season. Yeah, their last two games have been postponed, uh, so that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Terrible run of form. Their win against Manu in January remains their only WSL victory this season. Um, I am intrigued by Reading West Ham just because I'm interested to see what West Ham's reaction is after that eight nil thrashing by Chelsea. You know, Reading, great stuff from Farah in terms of stepping up to the mark. There was, of course, all the controversy about the uh, non-handball against Manchester United and really interesting from, from Farah Williams. That that kind of Reading team is, is, is so organised and, and I would call them mature in their outlook, actually, because they're so set. Um, but Farah talking with us last week, Tim, about how she's had the best coaching of her mm-hmm. career whilst playing at Reading, which was certainly an eye-opener for me, Linz. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing with this fixture being delayed, I think the biggest victim of all this weather is Matt Beard because what you want when you've had an 8-0 drubbing is you want your players to get back out there as soon as possible and do do the reaction stuff yeah. you know make sure that they they start getting the things that that he was wanting from them right and now you've got even longer yeah. and I do think that means that perhaps the, the reaction he was going to get will be slightly dumbed down because inevitably what happens with time is that you've got that bigger build-up, haven't you, to trying to put it right. Yeah, and also, Matt, he's been fairly critical of the players he as did, well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't I was interviewing myself, but I was stood next to him when he was being interviewed after Arsenal played in the FA Cup. And he was, again, quite down on his players and their kind of application. And then, obviously, after Chelsea, he was. And uh, you just get the sense that not everything's right at West Ham. And, and this is a team at a similar level to them. Them being beat by Chelsea 8-0 is a surprise, being beaten by Chelsea isn't. This is the sort of game I think where you see West Ham. I would I would worry about West Ham though because Reading are so organised and Reading will have a game plan and if that doesn't work then they'll execute another game plan and they'll perhaps maximise on the fact that things are not perhaps as cohesive as they should be at, at West Ham. We know that as you say Matt Beard's you know basically told the players to step up mm. in 
a roundabout sort of way. So it will be up to the players to show that reaction. And we will get more on that because we've got Julie Flaherty on the podcast a little bit later. So we'll be speaking to her soon. Um, Shall we also talk about Liverpool-Arsenal? Because Liverpool, I was with um, Kelly Simmons from the FA at the Heads Up campaign launch last week. And that very day she was saying, I'm just waiting for confirmation on a new stadium for Liverpool. It has happened. They've moved to Chester's ground, the Diva Stadium. And um, hopefully not full of divas going forward. Um, <laughs> but after scoring in six successive uh, Women's Super League games between October and December, Miedemar has failed to find the net uh, in the next four. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does in this match. Um, and just the way that Liverpool can adjust to a, a new stadium, that's quite an upheaval midway through a season. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to this, actually. going to be my first visit to Chester. When you look at the league table, I think Liverpool's remarkable. They're second bottom, but they've only conceded 13 goals in 12 games. And actually, if you look back through their scores, it looks like binary code. I don't think any team has scored two goals yeah. in a Liverpool game since October. Mm. It's always 1-1, one, 1-0, one, one, zero, zero, one. Um, and of course, it was only 1-0 in the reverse fixture at Meadow Park as well. So even though Liverpool are second bottom and fighting relegation, this is a really tough game for Arsenal. And, you know, you're talking about Viv hasn't scored for four games. She's never gone five league games in her whole career without scoring. This is actually not the best defence for her to will come she, up against. Will she be feeling the pressure, though? Because she, she always comes across like she doesn't feel that pressure. Will she even know that stat? Will, will she even worry about it? I think she will now. Um, I, I asked her about this in October and she said to me, at Arsenal, I never feel pressure to score. Netherlands, I do. Arsenal, I don't. But the reason she doesn't at Arsenal is because there are so many other players yeah. that can score. And actually, Arsenal have been missing a lot of chances recently. And therefore, I think she will feel that a little bit. I think this is the first time in her Arsenal career if she scores, she'll be quite relieved for herself. To do so. And it's crucial for Arsenal because they've had two losses in a row in the WSL. Again, we're kind of moving into uncharted territory here in terms of performance. So this is a must win. You know, it's an off-use phrase. But, you know, if, Char- if Arsenal are to have any hint at getting you know back into those Champions League places or making a punt for the title which has become even more difficult really recently then they've got to win this game and interestingly uh, Chester uh, lies on the England-Wales border so um, good shout Rich Laverty women's football journalist on Twitter who said right wing can Daniela van der Donk do it on a cold Thursday night in England left wing can Beth Mead do it on a cold Thursday night in <laughs> Wales um, the ground is officially or the pitch is officially the pitch in is Wales. in Wales isn't it? But the club is registered okay. in England, so it's called an English club. But I absolutely love that fact. Thanks very much for flagging it up, Rich Laverty. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Should we mention a couple of the other fixtures going on? Chelsea play Birmingham. Birmingham on a three-game losing streak. There'll be no Sam Kerr for Chelsea. She's still in Olympic qualifying with Australia. She's finished um, her Olympic qualifying with South Korea, but I doubt she'll be back in time to play this one. And, and of course, Chelsea, Chelsea's Beth England has to be up there as someone that we're talking about at the moment in terms of goal scoring because she scored 12 league goals this season. Um, and I think has pro- perhaps been the standout player um, of the season in the WSL. Um, she's equaled the FA Women's Super League goal tally from last season um, already, and that's obviously in fewer appearances, 12 instead of 18. So she's been going great guns. 
Yeah, absolutely. She's um, And I wonder if, because the Sam Kerr transfer has kind of been in the background there for quite a few months before it happened, I wonder if that's raised her game a little bit because I wonder if she's just thought, right, Chelsea are bringing in a world-class centre-forward. I've really got to up my game. I've really mm. got to show that they can't drop me. And at the moment, they can't drop her. I think she's she's possibly the informed player in the WSL at the moment. Yeah, they can't uh, They can't deny that. And uh, We've spoken on previous podcasts about the fact of her movement. We had Kelly Smith in, who's obviously someone who can definitely reflect on, on what it is to be a great striker. And she was saying that also it's that, that braveness, the way that she's getting on the ball. She isn't the sort of player to wait for it to get to her either. She goes and she, she searches and she also is physically very strong. The yeah. way that she gets past defenders for her size and frame, you think that she's perhaps not going to have as much muscle behind her, but she really does. Yeah, and she's got two great feet as well. I mean, the goal she scored at Arsenal the other week off her left foot, 25 yards, no problem uh, having having a bash with that. I don't usually like to draw comparison with, with men's players, but she reminds me a bit of Jamie Vardy, maybe that just kind of really relentless appetite, running the channels, shooting on sight. She's just, if you're a defender, an absolute nightmare to come up against. Well, the transfer window may have closed, but it doesn't stop people extending their contracts. And uh, some good news for Manchester City midfielder Kira Walsh has signed up for another three years at the Women's Super League leaders. The new deal comes just a few months after she handed in a transfer request. And that was all a bit bizarre, wasn't it? It kind of all seems to have blown over since then, Linz. I, I don't think it was bizarre. I think anyone with ambition wants to try and get in at Lyon. And she was trying to orchestrate a move out to France um, and you can't deny her that and they had obviously shown some interest um, I think that this though now putting pen to paper for three years is showing that now she's she's fully committed to staying in Manchester for the for foreseeable um, I, I was I was thinking if she did do it she might only have had like a year extension or something because if the, you've got those ambitions there and you're, you're going to get that interest how about if they come calling again but are we entering a world in women's football where money will be no object yeah, quite possibly. And, and it also makes me wonder what she's been told about the next manager, perhaps at Manchester City, because at, at time of uh, speaking, I don't know who it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, Tim, and... so we've asked several people. No one really seems to know, in all honesty. Um, Linz, do you think Alan Mahone will be in charge until the end of the season? I'm I not think sure until you... the end of the season. But yeah. I think you're right, Tim. I think this does imply that the players maybe know a bit more because Kira Walsh, who's been involved with the Lionesses for so long now, um, has, has garnered interest from elsewhere. If you've got people like Leon, who are the top team in the world looking at her it's a huge commitment to say okay I'm going to stay with you for three years if you don't know so I would say that you're right she probably does know who's coming in yeah and I think Nick said something kind of in one of his parting comments was about Manchester City properly pushing Leon because we've seen that Chelsea are going in that direction with the likes of Sam Kerr and he's spoken about that as well and it, it, it just makes me wonder if there's you know there's something afoot there mm. worth remembering too that going to Leon sometimes isn't all that it seems Izzy Christensen uh, knew ever Everton signing, of course, left Leon. She's come back to the WSL and she spoke to Katie Wyatt from The Telegraph um, last week um, about um, breaking her leg. She said after a lot of reflection, uh, she broke her leg because her head wasn't in the right place. It was too nervous. It happened, of course, during the She Believes um, in March last year. Too nervous and uptight about doing well and knowing that there was a World Cup place at stake. So many players admit to this, you know, and they're mentally not in the same place that they were when they were a confident player, when they were winning and when they were at the top. Because, I mean, this is um, a player that, got player of the year is he Christian an absolutely fantastic player and I think when things dip a little bit 
that that mental fragility because you probably do doubt yourself a little bit or you worry about about things and it can lead to injury and you you've you've heard it when you speak to many players that have got injured over the years that it, they were perhaps not in the right headspace when that happened it's interesting psychology of it all isn't it yeah definitely and it makes you wonder you know whether it's just a physical thing as well whether you're braced for contact when you're more confident whereas if you're less confident perhaps if someone comes and takes you out you kind of take the hit a bit more or whether you land differently when you're when you're kind of confident and you're you're really feeling at it um it's one of those things when you're not an athlete you're yourself it's difficult to put yourself in that position to understand she also spoke about um life at leon too and i found this quite sad but i suppose not completely unsurprising Uh, she said leon was full of stars world-class players they don't care what they say to people they don't care what they do as long as they win no one really necessarily gets along with each other it's more like we're here to do a job we're like a machine and of course she got superstars like wendy renard amandine Henri, ada hegerberg there as well but i i um I'm not surprised by it, Linz, but it, but it does sadden me a little because are you going to get the best out of your players if if in the background you're not taking care of them from a you know personal pastoral point of view? It's an interesting point because it's something that I've never wanted to say to date because I think it would sound crazy if I said. But seeming as Izzy's gone this far, I'm I'm, I'm going to make a point that I've been thinking in the back of my my mind for a while about Leon. But when they are the top team, it's difficult to say anything against them because they're obviously getting everything right. But I do think ultimately this will be their undoing is having a team of megastars because we've seen it so often in the history of football globally that when you take the best and you try and mould them together, sometimes it just doesn't work now it's been fortunate for Leon because they've been trained well enough and maybe the women's game is at that stage where it's still having some success for them but I think that there will be challenges and once they get some pressure and someone breathing down their neck in the Champions League at some point that's where they're going to crumble because the best team isn't the best players it it's getting that team that gels together yeah yeah yeah. and when people start chasing them they're going to have to start talking to each other because they're going to have to work out how they fight against it as a team right I completely agree. And I think the other thing about Leon is they've, they haven't had like a really strong manager for a little while. They are essentially just a collect, like a, Globe, a Harlem Globetrotters type collection of talent. And I just wondered about what Izzy said about, you know, the players not necessarily talking to each other, whether Leon's just become a place where people park themselves for a couple of years because they think I fancy winning the Champions League I'll do two to three years at Lyon I'll win it a couple of times and then I'll just go and do something else and I wonder if they're kind of becoming that sort of club It's an interesting five years ahead for Lyon I should suggest, I think someone else will topple them in the Champions League in that next five years and it's how they react to that because they've they've not actually had their crown knocked off yet have yeah, they? Or, if, or partly partly knocked off to if you look in degree. if you look in Spain at the moment Barcelona um, really really becoming strong they won their Supercopa final 10-1 at the weekend and and they to me and you know we've spoken about Chelsea some of these clubs I think are really positioning themselves to challenge well, a lot of sides are in action in the FA Cup this weekend. Fifth round fixtures, majority on Sunday. There's a tie on Monday night as well. On Sunday, Arsenal play host to Lewis. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool meet in one of the all WSL ties in this fifth round of the FA Cup. Remember, Liverpool's performance last time round beating Blackburn Rovers 8-1. Babajide, you know, really firing up for that game, scoring four times. It'll be interesting to see where her form goes from there as well. And Emma Hayes using it for Chelsea as uh, the Charlton match as um, a great way to, to 
to bet in some new young players. As we've got Tim here with us, and obviously you're the Arsenal women's expert, you know, where does this lie in priorities for Arsenal at the moment? Because they need some reaction in the league. I would say that going for the WSL title is their first priority. They've won the, the FA Cup so many times that there's sort of an expectation around them in this competition. But if I was Lewis, I'd be thinking, I'm going to go for this one. Yeah, I, I think Lewis will, and with good cause. I, I think the thing I've kind of learned about Arsenal from talking about talking to the players over the years is they don't prioritise. If you talk to any of them, and it really doesn't feel like platitude, they'd say, we go for everything. And actually, the squad isn't quite big enough at Arsenal to do that massive rotation and those big changes. So when Lewis come to town, you're probably going to see someone like Miedema start, Van der Donk, or at least a couple of them, um, because the the squad depth isn't really there to make wholesale changes and Arsenal the culture at Arsenal is very much we go for everything even in the Conti Cup group stage full team is played all the time Should we talk about some of the underdogs in this like Ipswich I mean I think this is a fantastic time Manchester City host Ipswich fourth tier are Ipswich and we spoke to their manager didn't we a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. Um, when they beat third tier Huddersfield in in the fourth round it was 16 year old Maddie Biggs who scored a hat trick and just just all kinds of wonderful to talk about that kind of game in the FA Cup. Manchester City saw off local rivals Manchester United. Of course, City are going to be the favourites. And already, Ipswich have had to see off six teams, six to get this far. Uh, and, and you look at that history of, of the underdog coming through. I mean, everyone will be wanting an underdog to get through to that next round. It could be a bit too much to ask them to beat Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But this is... I'm sure if you'd ask Ipswich what they wanted, they'd have wanted Chelsea, Manchester City or Arsenal. So I'm delighted that they've got Manchester City. And by all accounts, Ipswich are a club who are doing loads and loads of things right. And actually in the women's game, to beat a team that's the division above you, um, you know, irregardless of whether it's fourth tier, third tier, is really, it's really great. uncommon. It's mm. really uncommon. And that tells you that Ipswich are a club that are going places. The second all WSL tie sees Bristol City play host to Everton. This is being played under the lights at Ashton Gate, by the way. Um, Br- Bristol City came close to going out in the fourth round against Durham. They needed to go to extra time in that game to seal their fate through to the next round. Just summing up the other games, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Leicester entertain Reading, Sunderland, Birmingham, Coventry, Tottenham. Which one appeals to you? I think we have to mention Leicester properly giving Reading a run for their money in this one because they're six in the women's championship. They are the highest ranked second tier side left in the competition. And with them having that home advantage as well, I really quite fancy Leicester being the ones to go through here. Yeah, Reading, um, I I can't remember which, I think it was against Lewis in the Conti Cup group stage where they they really, really struggled and I think they went behind a couple of times. Reading strike me as that type of team that really like playing teams perhaps that are above them um, and having that physical challenge, I'm not sure they cope as well with being favourites. I, I think if there's going to be an upset, that might be the one. Mm. I agree. Sunderland entertain Birmingham, as we've said. My absolute favourite thing about this game is just that it's being played at Sunderland's home ground, which is called Eppleton Colliery Welfare. Uh, try and get your mouth around that, commentators. Uh, former Sunderland players Emma Kelly and uh, England international and former Sunderland captain Lucy Staniforth return to their old stomping ground at Sunderland as well. And then Monday night, let's not ignore Coventry against Spurs as well. That will just finish off the FA Cup ties. Uh, Spurs who've been doing well in the WSL. I think it will be a big ask of Coventry, but they too have home advantage in this one, which makes it makes it a bit more levelled. You're listening to the Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. 
Well, I'm so pleased to say we can welcome onto the show now West Ham captain Jilly Flaherty, um, someone that I've worked with a fair bit, and I know, Lindsay, you have too. And of course, Jilly, you've hit the headlines over the past week or so for for the Heads Up campaign, coming out and being really honest and talking about the time when you tried to take your own life at the age of 17 and why you did that and where your head was at during that period. What's the reaction been like to the interviews that you've done about it? Um, yeah, the the reaction has been it's been very uh, positive um, and it's it's been really overwhelming the the amount of people that have reached out to me um, obviously in regards to the articles um, saying obviously that I'm brave etc but other people who have been reaching out who have gone through something similar and even members of my own family have reached out at the time that they've gone through tough times and girls that I went to the academy with who, who didn't realise at the time feeding feeling guilty really because mm. they they didn't they didn't know that I was going through it and for me it was yes yeah, it's, it's been it's been so positive um the the reaction that we got and obviously I was a bit nervous if I was going to get any um any negative comments back about it but I haven't had one um and it's just yeah it's been really pleasing we've, we've got the response really that we we hope for yeah were you sort of certain about coming out and saying it or were you changing your mind all the way up to the interviews in terms of deciding to sort of break this news to the world, I suppose? Yeah, so our first, it was around about November time, um, towards the back end of last year, that I actually sat down and I spoke to my partner about it and said, listen, I think I'm going to talk about it. Um, and she was very much like, listen, if, if that's what you choose to do, like I'll support you all the way. And I spoke to our media guy, Mitch, at West Ham and said, this is obviously what I've been through um, I want to talk about it I want to I want to share my story but I want to share it because I just there's there's been so much suicide that I've seen over the past year like just the year alone do you know what I mean and I just thought listen if I can if I can tell my story then and just stop one person from doing it then I've achieved what I wanted to achieve from it um, and then we we set a day and obviously the heads up campaign linked well with it and then the week before the Heads Up campaign and the, before the filming happened, I pulled out and said to Mitch, listen, I don't want to do it. I've got a gut feeling. Um, I don't think it's the right time for me to share my story. And then he was very, I think I'm like a typical woman in the sense of making a rash decision. <laughs> and he, he said, listen, take 24 hours just to think about it. And it probably was the hardest 24 hours. It was so many pros and cons of, of me telling it. And, it, I, in all honesty, it was my partner who said, "Listen, you've got to do it. Like you, you've got a, a story to tell, and you've got a duty, really, in the the fact of the position that you're in. You can help so many people from it." And then I just thought, "Listen, I've just got to dive in and do it, and and have no regrets about it. And listen, whatever happens, happens. Whatever response we get, we get. Like, but I was prepared to obviously to be open and honest, and I have nothing to hide now. That's that's played over me the past eleven years, and." now it's out in the open it's sort of like I can move forward with it as well I think so many people thank you Jilly for sharing it because it's resonated and it, and it is trying to open up these conversations around mental health which has been so difficult in the past and it does need role models and you're a captain as well at West Ham and I'm sure that you feel some responsibility when you're looking at young players coming through knowing that they're, they're probably all going to have these moments of of, might, might not end up in depression but of doubting themselves and and also the the amount of change that comes when you're a professional footballer because you've got to give so much of your life to it as well yeah 100% and I think like at that time between like 16 to 18 like it's 
the time I think where you go through the most changes, like in regards to me, like I was, I moved away from home. I was having my doubts about like sexuality and there were so many different things going on at that time. And then you just, I don't know, you're wanting to be the best that you can be and you're, you're struggling. Do you know what I mean? You're fighting against everyone and you're probably at that time, the, in my eyes, I was probably one of the worst daughters in the sense of, my mum and dad had got four daughters and I was the rebel. Like, mm. my mum and dad had no grief from any of them three. And with me, it was like, I was just chucking it at them all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a hard stage to go through. But like I said, I feel, as me, as a professional footballer, like, I have a duty to to be a role model. But the amount of, of fans that I talk to after a game, and I've spoke to a few girls who were just like, Jilly, like, uh, obviously, when I'd done the um, Rainbow Laces campaign last year, they were like, Jilly, like, I'm struggling. Like, I want to tell my mum and that. And I'm trying to say to them, listen, just just give it a couple of months because you're going to see something. You're going to find out about something. Do you know what I mean? That I hope will help you. Mm. Like, it's, it's been hard to, to keep it under wraps, really, in the sense of I wanted to just get it out there because so many... I've seen so many suicides on, on Twitter. Like, even before I weren't going to do it, like, uh, I had two more people I, I saw on Twitter who had passed away, who'd taken their own lives. And I just thought, listen, like... I've got to do it. I've got to share my story in the hope that it helps not just necessarily young girls, but it helps anybody, any stage of life to think, listen, she'd done that and, and look at where she yeah. is now. Like there's hope for everybody. And it's a tough period when you're 16 to 18 and knowing kind of what I know about you, Jilly, you just said there that you always want to be the best that you can be. I know that, that, that you're a, that you're a perfectionist when it sort of comes to your professional life. And, you know, depression can, whether it's holding back um, a bit of information on your sexuality, whether it's becoming, you know, incredibly lonely and feeling isolated, or it's, you know, body image issues, because we've spoken before, haven't we, how depression manifests in in different ways. And for you, you, you also had kind of a few body image issues in the fact that you felt like you had to look a certain way. Yeah, and I still, to this day, still feel the same way now, like, being told at 15, 16 that, listen, you're, you're fat and overweight and you've got to be on fat burning sessions every week. Um, it hits hard. And it, and it's things that you hear at that time, like for me, that will always stay with me, like until the day I die. And I know we spoke about it before. Where I said, I'm always getting up in the morning. And I'll lift my T-shirt up. Like I know I've not developed abs overnight, <laughs> but <laughs> I still I still do it. And it's just something that's I've always been like that. I've always felt like I'm bigger than the rest. I always feel like I'm the biggest player in the team. Like You need to get it's... the same makeup artist as Fleabag. Oh, I know. <laughs> Phoebe I know. Waller Bridge. Just... She was talking about that, wasn't she? Yeah, maybe I'll just start painting on some abs in the night <laughs> so I know when I wake up in the morning they're there. But um, it, it, it's tough. And you know what? You've got, so, especially with like the likes of social media now, you've got such a, a fight to fit in um, and, and to be seen a certain way. And it, it, it's it's tough, but... You know, you have to, you fight the demons every single day. Do you know what I mean? But you have to be strong enough to say, listen, like, I'm happy with who I am. Like, who I am is me and I'm not going to change. Like, I'll I'll do the best that I can be to be a better version every single day. But it's a journey. Do you know what I mean? And it, it will take a while to for you to be in a happy place again. Let's talk about football. I don't know whether this is going to be a happier place at the moment for you, but obviously there was that defeat to Chelsea and 8-0, you're, you're wanting a reaction. And we were speaking earlier in the podcast about how probably as players, you wanted to get out there as soon as possible to try and, and put that right. Yeah, I mean, I think after the, the game against Chelsea, like I just, I had no words. I mean, I was just so upset 
Um, and I just, I remember just going home and I was awful to be around. Like, I, I just don't talk to anyone really. Like, I can't even pick up the phone, like, when we lose. Um, and I think with it being my old team as well, it was like, like a proper kick in the teeth. But yeah, we, we listen, we have to, we, we wanted to bounce back, you know, it, it was ideal for us to have a game straight away, really, to, um, to sort of like, listen, we, we can't dwell on it. Do you know what I mean? We can't dwell on the result. It happened, but we have to just take the po- the positives that they were from the game and, and learn from the mistakes that we made. And I just think for us, even though we was, it was going six, seven, eight, when we got the ball, we were still trying to score. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's a positive that we can take from that game is that we still had the attitude, right, when we get the ball, we wanted to attack and we wanted to get a goal. But obviously there were, there were plenty of things that we needed to work on. And obviously... Unfortunately, with the game being called off, um, we were now having to wait until Wednesday. But to be honest, the storm where it was, I'm quite glad that it weren't on. I don't think it would have um, helped us defend no, that at all. No. <laughs> did, did it upset you to see Matt Beard being so honest afterwards that he, he didn't know whether he was the right man for the job? I think he even went as far as to say that. Yeah, I have a great relationship with Beardy and I think me and Beardy are very similar. We wear our hearts on our sleeves. Um, and yeah, he's... It's obviously upsetting to see him feel like that because I feel like as players, we have to take responsibility for our performances. We can't put too much on Beardy. Do you know what I mean? As much as he is the manager and he picks the team and the formation, etc., we he can only do so much. We cross that white line and we have to stand up as players. Um, so I think, listen, we have to take as much responsibility as him and he is the right man for the job. He, he's brought all of us players there at the club and um, I think it's just up, it's down to us now to, to play for him. Do you know what I mean? And, and to step up because if it wasn't for him, I said this before after the Man City defeat, if it wasn't for Beardy, majority of us, if not all of us, wouldn't be at the club. Yeah. So we have to thank him for that. And the way we thank him is by going out on that pitch and playing for, yeah. him for every single minute. What's the mindset like, Jilly, ahead of the Reading game this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we had a we had a positive week last week at training. Um, we sort of... It was sort of like we had to get around each other, do you know what I mean? We had to give each other a bit of a confidence boost and... A bit of loving as well, do you know what I mean? A lot of a lot of hugs and a lot of right, come on, we pick ourselves up and we go again. And I think everybody's looking forward to the game. Um, I think over the the past couple of seasons, we've we've always had a battle with Reading, um, and I think we owe them one, especially after being two up and losing three two this yeah. year. And mm-hmm. um, we have to we have to bounce back from it, but it's a, it's a tough place to go to. I've got uh, tremendous respect for for Kelly uh, for what she's done at Reading, and it's going to be a hard task. And it's going to be a battle, but we have to we have to turn up. We have to show a response after the eight yeah. nil. If there's one person that I'd want to take into battle with me, Jilly, it's probably you. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank, um, you. thank you so much for speaking to us here on the Offside Rule WSL edition. Thanks for your support too in making sure that the pod has made a welcome return. That that yes. was a crazy week yes. last week. So thank you God. for that. Thank you for your support. <laughs> thank you. Um, and we, we will catch up with you very soon, Jilly Flaherty, West Ham captain. Thank you. A heartfelt thank you to Jilly Flaherty for speaking to us again. I know she's already put it out there, but she's really opened up that conversation around mental health. The Heads Up campaign, which started last weekend, also covers this weekend coming as well. Um, there'll be plenty more awareness around stadiums up and down the country across men's and women's football. Look out for it. But more importantly, if you need to talk, talk. Well, still doesn't have a theme tune, but I don't care. It returns every week. <laughs> 
any other business. Uh, Tim, this one might interest you. In fact, you've, I'm sure, been following this as well. The USA and Canada have confirmed their place at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, the CONCACAF region's got two Olympic berths, so they're taken. Uh, USA ranked uh, number one, defeated Mexico 4-0 in one semi-final, and eighth in the world ranked Canada edged Costa Rica in the other game on Friday. Both sides played each other as well, actually. Not that it really mattered, but uh, USA coming off the better on that one. Uh, the USA's been to every Olympic since uh, women's soccer was included in 1996. But one of the big headlines, really, and who can forget this, what happened between the USA and Sweden four years ago when Sweden defeated the USA to take that gold medal, much to the annoyance of USA and also Hope Soto as well, who um, said some pretty harsh things afterwards. Yeah, she was her typical understated self. <laughs> um, after Did she call them cowards? Yes, I think. Mm. yes yeah, she did. Yeah, which, you know, I've... I hope such a such an interesting character. Um, I, I really, really like her as a pundit. But, you know, comments like that, I'm not sure I always... I always respected her as a player. not sure I always liked her as a player. I think she's a fabulous pundit, though. I really, really enjoyed listening to her during the World Cup in the summer, especially. And the Olympics hotting up to be absolutely brilliant. We've got the She Believes first, but looking ahead to the summer and the Olympics, it's, you know, some absolutely key teams in there as well. It's going to be the best in the world, isn't it, in terms of women's It will. I mean, Team GB are going to have to be assembled. I wonder if that could play a part in how far they go just because you've got to get all these players to play together are we looking at a straight shootout then for japan or usa i think we might be yes although i i think if phil neville gets his squad right team gb could be really really interesting because i think i think scotland in particular have some really good players perhaps where england are slightly weak and if he can make that mix work i think that that could be really interesting but whittling it down to 18 is I, I've not even had a go myself and I'm not going to because <laughs> it looks impossible. But I think you, you really strongly have to fancy USA. That said, Japan have been preparing for this for a little while. We know their approach to the She Believes last year was to play a largely young team, almost preparing more for this than the World Cup. And I think they'll be very dangerous as well. I think all the conversations have been had by Phil for his Team GB squad by now, probably. But if they haven't, the one thing that they'll know is that he won't be making them a, a drink. Anyway, we're going to move on to um, <laughs> to Alex Morgan, seven months that, pregnant. Way, you can't just lob that in. I can in. just lob that in. Anyone who knows, knows, don't they? Anyone who knows, knows the story. Um, Alex Morgan, seven months pregnant. There were pictures of her in training. First of all... I'm turning to Kate as our only mother in the room at the moment. Um, not dangerous, because I think there were some raised eyebrows about that still still playing. Yeah, that. which is which is absolutely... I mean, no one's tackling her. She's not involved in a game. She's just doing some shootout practice and showing that she still is great with her feet as she was, bump or not, it doesn't matter. And it's such a good message. Sydney LaRue, her uh, USA teammate, you know, also trained while she was pregnant too and I think it, it just sends out a great message you might you might be pregnant but you can still move with the ball at your feet okay you've got to tailor things accordingly but I was um I was I was all up for this as well and I watched her come off the team bus as well and she was cradling a bump and she looked great she looked fantastic yeah I think Kieran Tatham did a great piece on this in The Athletic um, as well about kind of players with pregnancy and uh, I remember speaking to Helen Ward actually about yeah, this. Yeah, I've done uh, so too. Yeah, uh, during the summer, and she spoke about scoring goals actually when she was mm. kind of three months pregnant, I think, at the time. Which you know, to me, is just 
absolutely yeah. incredible. And whilst we're talking baby news, congratulations from everyone at the Offside Rule podcast to Javon Chamberlain and to Lee Moore, who've had a baby girl. Yes. Um, she looks beautiful. Saw a picture as well on, on Instagram, I think. Yes. So congratulations to them. That's it for your Offside Rule podcast, WSL edition this week. Thanks again to our new sponsor, Football Manager. Back every Monday, so we'll probably publish kind of Monday late afternoon, Monday evening. Um, Do hit subscribe, by the way, if you're a new listener to this show because you've come across it because of all the Twitter storm that we managed to create last week. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe. Please give us a review and rate us because it really, really helps other people find us. And if the weather gods are listening, please let it be okay next weekend. (laughs) We want Good playing conditions, please. Yeah, you can head over to our website as well. By the way, this show is supported by OffsideRulePodcast.com. All our latest uh, articles are up there, including Stuart Baker's piece on Portsmouth women. Spare a thought for Pompey women, by the way. You thought Liverpool was bad. (laughs) In the lower leagues, in fact, in the Women's National League, Pompey have had 15 matches postponed, the majority because of poor pitch conditions. There's a piece about that on our website. And, of course, the socials as well, at OffsideRulePod. So you've had a little bit of time off, unexpectedly, Tim. But for this week, back to midweek action and back to FA Cup for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm off to Chester on Thursday and, yep, covering Arsenal versus Lewis um, on Sunday. So really looking forward to both of those. Will you be sitting in England or in Wales when you uh, visit I, Chester? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> Let <laughs> like, us know. Thanks very much, Tim. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to The Offside Rule WSL Edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Hello, listeners. I'm Caroline Barker, host of the Totally Football League show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two. Yes. Each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. Haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media.